Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We are in the midst of our year-end awards for 2022. We started off with our overrated, underrated, and most honest political figures. Uh, Then yesterday, of course, we did figures we were most sorry to see go, rising star, and fading into oblivion. Uh, Today, we are going to be doing a brand new category, Biggest Lie of 2022, and then also two categories that we've certainly done many times before, Best Political Theater and Worst Political Theater of 2022. Uh, And then later in the week, we'll be talking about the media, best and worst ideas in our person of the year, and even predictions for 2023. So a lot to get to, but today we start off with the brand new one, Jim. Uh, we talked about how hard it is to find uh, the most honest political figure. Biggest lie of 2022 probably has lots of nominees, but uh, who floated to the top on your list? Greg, it's a little hard to figure out when we look back on 2022, what Americans will immediately think of, what's going to pop into their head, what was the most consequential things that happened in their lives. But I think, you know, no matter who you are, coast to coast, young, old, inflation was a really big one. And so I think to me, my nominee for the biggest lie of the year, because I think it's one of the most consequential lies of the year, were the statements from President Biden, Biden administration officials, his allies in Congress, and other talking heads like Paul Krugman, who kept insisting inflation will be temporary and transitory. Now, some of these remarks came in 2021, when we were starting to see inflation pick up shortly after the uh, dumping of $1.2 trillion into the economy that was already recovering. But I think we throughout the year, we saw in the 60 Minutes interview, we saw Biden kept insisting the good news was just around the corner. Now, in recent months, have we seen the inflation number go down a little bit? Yeah, but it still hit the 40-year high, and by no stretch of the imagination is it low. The I think the last assessment I heard from Janet Yellen is that we'll have it solved by the end of 2023 a strong contender for the biggest lie of 2023. So I think just the the general denial about inflation, implausible spin, the touting of the one cent drop in gas prices, all of that adds up to the biggest and most consequential lie of 2022. Yeah, it's certainly consequential. Uh, We're still feeling it. And even though the the month to month uh, inflation gains are slowing down and the Biden administration will try to convince us that things are fine now, and they are not. The fact that the American people are suffering uh, just on the cost of everyday goods, gas, while getting better, is still a lot higher than it was when Biden took office. Groceries, still a big problem, and so many other things as well. We still don't know what energy is going to look like both here and uh, in other places around the world as well. So clearly a key factor. Should have been a key factor in the midterms. Not as much as we expected, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to be one that affects people for a while to come. Jim, my lie is, uh, I'm cheating a little bit. In fact, I could say it's even a little bit of a lie because the official lie started last year. But the fact that it's still going in 2022 uh, just absolutely grinds my gears. Uh, You may remember that at the same time, the Democrats in 2021 were trying to push their federalizing of elections nationwide. Some GOP-leaning states uh, did their best to shore up elections with the catchphrase, easier to vote, harder to cheat. We saw it in Texas. We saw it in Georgia. And Georgia is where it really came to a head. The blowback against this led to the moving of the All-Star Game, Coca-Cola, Delta, all these Atlanta-based companies throwing an absolute public fit because the Democrats basically wanted them to. Uh, They called this Jim Crow 2.0, Jim Eagle. Joe Biden went to Georgia saying that if you agreed with this law, you were the same as Bull Connor. 
and uh, Jefferson Davis, or at least in agreement with them, or you stand with them. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but basically it was lumping you in with them. And so then it came time to actually vote this year in the primaries, in the general election, in the Senate runoff just a couple of weeks ago. And lo and behold, uh, everybody who wanted to vote got out there just fine. Record turnouts on the early vote. Some folks thought there should have been some more voting locations, but uh, in the end, uh, there were more opportunities to vote than ever before. People got out there, records were smashed, and even when he won the runoff, Raphael Warnock out there with this comment saying that, uh, you know, I won, but there was still voter suppression. There are those who would look at the outcome of this race and say that there's no voter suppression in Georgia. Let me be clear. Just because people endured long lines that wrapped around buildings some blocks long, just because they endured the rain and the cold and all kinds of tricks in order to vote, doesn't mean that voter suppression does not exist. It simply means that you, the people, have decided that your voices will not be silenced. And then you still have the Democrats in Washington saying the same thing. You've got uh, Chuck Schumer saying the same thing. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre at the White House said the same thing. I don't know if this is just another push to tee up their legislation for uh, the next year, even though it's going to be virtually impossible for them to get it through the House. But nonetheless, Jim, the narrative won't die because uh, they've got to keep this lie going for some reason. That is a really good choice. And I think that, you know, I'd argue mine is more consequential. Yours might be more like illustratively absurd. Um, that, you know, they can still continue that voter suppression is going on in states with record turnout for a midterm. They've just been refuted, but they're so addicted to that narrative. They will not give it up. It is, uh, uh, is absolutely, I guess they've just, you know, they put all their money on that bet and they're going to keep betting on it, even though they've, uh, keep losing over and over again on it. Yeah, that's just incredible. So we'll find out uh, if they give it up. I'm guessing they won't because they would have given it up when Warnock won if they were really uh, being honest about this, but they're not. So take everything they say with a grain of salt, especially when it comes to voting. All right, time for our great sponsor for the day, and that is Rocket Money. If your goals in the new year are to manage your budget better and to save money, you need Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Turns out that like 80% of people have subscriptions that they just forgot about. Like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on or that free trial that you never even used? Well, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you. And it makes canceling those subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. You simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash martini. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash martini, rocketmoney.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to political theater. Uh, I found a lot more examples of terrible theater than good theater, but uh, let's go to the good theater first anyway. Uh, what'd you find? So this might be a controversial choice, and it's not necessarily theater 
But I was thinking about Ukrainian President Zelensky. I think you, you know, I was talking about the big issues that affected the U.S. and the world. I think the Russian invasion of Ukraine has to be really high up there. And, you know, we remember, if you think back to January, all the talk that the Ukrainians were going to fold like a cheap suit, as they say, um, that they were going to evacuate Kiev within 72 hours, the Russians would take it. And uh, they didn't. And we all remember that, you know, that very famous line, uh, I need ammunition, I don't need a ride. Now, I think Zelensky's image is not quite as sterling as it may have been at the beginning of the year. There have been a couple of times where even President Biden got a little irritated with Zelensky and sometimes forgetting to say thank you for the aid that the U.S. had sent over there. But I think the fact that this guy, a former comedian, oh, by the way, if you haven't watched it, I think uh, Netflix still has his uh, uh, his television show from a few years ago, Servant of the People. He doesn't look that much older than when he, when he taped this show. It's very funny. There are weird jokes about Putin trying to get him. That is just, just this utterly bizarre, surreal, uh, ironic statements. It would have been very easy for Zelensky to say, well, I'm not cut out for this and fled to Europe. And chances are Russia would have much greater control over a chunk of Ukraine had that come to pass. Zelensky's leadership, I think, is the best political theater in the sense that he has actually galvanized and inspired the Ukrainian people to say this fight is not pointless. This, you know, we can defend ourselves, we can defend our territory. Um, the as of this recording, the war is still going on and does not appear to be close to ending anytime soon. But there's a reason Zelensky got Times Man of the Year. I think it was a, the obvious choice, and I think his ability to be a speaker and a state, you know, and to com, you know communicate so effectively uh, certainly makes him the best political f- performer of the year 2022. Yeah, yours is far more substantive than mine, but uh, absolutely, his ability to use his uh, skills as an on-air performer, uh, especially in those early days, uh, and that uh, whether you call that theater or not. Uh, was stirring. You know, we're still here. I'm here. He's here. He's here. Uh, all these reports you hear of us leaving Kiev is, uh, is just not true. Uh, very powerful in galvanizing the uh, the Ukrainian people and uh, I would say a lot of the, the countries that ended up uh, supporting them and still support them. Uh, and so uh, going forward, we'll see how long that lasts, but it appears to the momentum is, is clearly on their side in a lot of different ways. So in terms of watching the left lose its mind, Jim, which is usually where we go for uh, best political theater, uh, and that is simply the pages of Twitter since Elon Musk took over. <laughs> just the fact that he took it over, you had people uh, just absolutely pulling their hair out and talking about how it's uh, the death of democracy. They just they just love thinking democracy is going to die anytime something they don't like uh, goes their way. Uh, but then, uh, you know, he starts explaining what happened with the Hunter Biden laptop. He lets reporters look into that with the shadow banning uh, and more to come. He probably tweets on on stuff a little more than he probably should on other issues, especially with his you know his pronouns being prosecute Fauci a couple of weeks ago. Really set off the left. Uh, I, I doubt any prosecution is coming. But the left, which still absolutely worships at the shrine of uh, Anthony Fauci, which is just bizarre after all so many things he's been wrong on many times deliberately. Alexander Vindman was going nuts. You've got a lot of celebrities that now will not be on there. Uh, Just absolutely setting their hair on fire uh, when uh, somebody that's not in their political corner necessarily. And who knows? He used to be. A couple years from now, he might be again. Who knows? Uh, But to watch uh, the left on a platform that they know uh, is not being monitored in a way that they will agree with is fascinating to watch and to see how unhinged they get. That's an excellent selection there, Greg. Uh, the rep- the degree to which it becomes very clear that an enormous number of liberals who had fairly significant followings on Twitter saw it as theirs, their playground, their 
cool kids lunch table, their sense in which they could kind of more or less dictate the terms of debate and their ability to find someone who had offended them by, you know, putting out something that, you know, either it offended them or in some cases it simply challenged them. The degree to which, you know, you could see folks like, God, wasn't it a couple of years ago, Glenn, uh, Glenn Reynolds, the University of Tennessee law professor was had his account suspended for a little while. Every little ticky tack flaw on the on, from conservatives could end up with a account suspension, temporary suspension, things like that. Everybody on Twitter had encountered all kinds of horrific trolls and this kind of sense of like, what, why, why is that guy still on? What does he have to do to get somebody uh, tossed off? There's an enormous double standard. Musk has come along and appears to be reversing that. And these people are losing their minds. So uh, an excellent selection there, Greg. And I think it uh, it fits very well. Yeah, and he ran the child pornographers out of Twitter. It took him about 30 minutes, as far as I can tell, when uh, the other rest of Twitter uh, didn't seem to want to do anything about it for a long time. So good for him on that. We'll see what else is coming. Uh, He's an unpredictable guy. I always like to say, if the conservatives like what he's doing now, just wait. He's gonna he's gonna be a wild card. So you gotta you gotta roll with the punches. There could be a lot of things we don't like, but uh, we just don't know yet. His mind runs in a way that most of ours don't. So uh, we'll find out. All right, on to our final martini now, Jim, and that is the worst political theater of 2022. I've got a really long list here, so I'm confident they'll have something to say no matter what you choose here. But uh, what was the very worst this year? Oh, good. So, you know, listeners don't realize that you and I, we do not coordinate with each other before we announce these on air or, you know, while taping, which means each one of us likes to have two. Now, you let me go first. So I get the easy one, you know, but uh, we don't want to have the same pick. We want to have at least some variety. We like to have some sort of, you know, alternate or or runner up or something like that. When I think back to 2022 and I think about like memorable images or memorable nights or things that, you know, you're going to say, wow, uh, that really was unexpected and surprising. I'm going to think back to the John Fetterman Mehmet Oz debate in uh, in Pennsylvania's Senate race. Now, John Fetterman won, but we had been hearing since he'd had that stroke back in mid-May uh, that, oh, his recovery is going fine. Uh, and of course, we noticed he you know, was off the campaign trail for the better part of three months. In the limited interviews he was doing, he said it was life-threatening. Uh, his appearances initially were like very short appearances on uh, released on social media. And then he went out and he started giving speeches for about 10 minutes or so. Um, and we did interviews. He had a transcribing device to help him read what the person had asked. And lots of Pennsylvania, you know, obviously more Republicans than Democrats, but a lot of people, including some mainstream media institutions, were like, is he really recovering okay? Is he going to be able to perform the duties as senator? Um, he, we're not seeing him. We're not be able to encounter him. We're not able to ask questions. So how do we know he's doing as well as you as you say he is? Oh, by the way, the initial statement on uh, the stroke that he suffered did not accurately describe all the procedures that, that he underwent. And on a, a primary night, by the way, this happened on a Friday and the, the primary was like Tuesday. So we're five days in which he only re- he only released it Sunday night, the news that he'd had a stroke. The primary night, Mrs. Fetterman described it as a little hiccup. Well, if it's life-threatening, then no, it's not a little hiccup. And there's always this question of were they being honest with them? Well, on, on debate night, we saw John Fetterman was a mess. John Fetterman was struggling to answer questions, struggling to put words together in a coherent answer. Um you went from like there's a certain amount of anger at his campaign for obscuring the true the true state of his condition to also being deep sympathy for John Fetterman. He's got a long road ahead of him. And I, I hope the guy lives to be 100. I hope the guy lives and is able to enjoy great health for the uh, rest of his days. I was kind of, you know, my eyes kind of popped out of my skull when I saw that he had apparently been diagnosed with uh, atrial fibrillation and other, you know, an irregular heartbeat. And his doctor gave him a prescription for medication. And then he didn't see a doctor for five years. 
Now, there are a lot of middle-aged guys who hate seeing the doctor, but that strikes me as a extreme example of this. So I hope Fetterman, you know, doesn't have any uh, worse consequences of this. He was once 400 pounds. You know, this, this is a guy that's like rare to ask whether his health was going to allow him to do the job. Obviously, people in Pennsylvania were less worried about his health than they were about Mehmet Oz allegedly living in New Jersey. I, I don't know if you can argue that the people of Pennsylvania made the right choice in that one. And even though it didn't end up with an Oz victory, I think that was like a, it, it'll always be memorable for the number of people who insisted he's fine, he's fine. And then he went out on the debate stage and we could all see he was not fine. He's fine. He's fine. Oh, he's not fine. Ableist. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do you have to say this? And then, then he was brave for going out there. So the narrative just kept changing all the time, and all because they lied and covered stuff up to begin with. But yeah, that whole debate, and we had clips of it with him fumbling all over the place on fracking and uh, long pauses here and there, and you know, just watching a guy go through the process of of slowly recovering his, his verbal abilities uh, after a stroke was difficult and it led to the question of how effective this guy can be as a senator. I guess we're going to find out. You can take a while as a freshman before you hit any floor speeches, but uh, he's going to vote the way they want, and that's all I think they really care about on the left. All right, on to my choice now, and there's a lot of choices here. Uh, Kanye uh, giving us a a, a close uh, runner-up here (laughs) towards the end of the year. But what I'm going to choose is uh, the left in the streets protesting outside the homes of the Supreme Court justices once we got the leak of the Dobbs decision. I think that was back in May. We still don't have any uh, answers on who actually leaked it. And I have pretty much given up hope that that will ever actually be formally revealed. But nonetheless, it happened weeks before the decision actually came down. And so the protesters came out into the streets uh, in front of everybody's houses, even though it is against the law. The Justice Department just kind of whistling and looking the other way. They're out in front of Amy Coney Barrett's house and Brett Kavanaugh's house and uh, Sam Alito's house. I think some of the justices... I had to leave town or at least uh, move away from their houses because this was going crazy. And then, of course, the most chilling part of this is the guy who was arrested in the neighborhood of Brett Kavanaugh with plans to actually kill him. And I believe there was another, at least one other justice on the list as well. And so uh, the fact that I believe the uh, uh, Kavanaugh threat made it onto page A20 something of the New York Times uh, was just absolutely unconscionable. And so just the fact that these people went to the streets night after night, uh, just grossly annoying the neighbors, grossly breaking the law, and the feds having uh, no interest in enforcing that law whatsoever, basically because they disagreed with the majority opinion on the Dobbs decision for all that to go forward. And as far as I know, it continued for months, Jim, um, and maybe still continues. I don't even know. Uh, But for that to go on and for the, uh, the, the people in charge of enforcing the law to just completely ignore it, worst political theater of the year for me. That is another excellent choice. And uh, it's, you know, it says something about the state of our political culture that we have so many more nominations for bad political theater than we do for good <laughs> political theater. Yes. Yeah, I almost went with the Canadian truckers and the freezing of their bank accounts. And I'm like, ah, I should probably try to keep it in the, in the United States. There's been more than enough examples of terrible political theater this year. But uh, yeah, some really ugly examples, unfortunately. So always hope for better in 2023, but uh, not putting any money on it. So, Jim, tomorrow we will take a look at best idea, worst idea, and boldest tactic of 2022. Plenty of nominees, I suggest, for all three of those categories. It'll be fun to see what we come up with, and I will talk to you then. Looking forward to it, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. 
Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already and tell your friends about us as well. Thanks so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please, please keep them coming. They really do help us a lot. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Get Jim's brand new book, Gathering Five Storms, the accompanying short story, Saving the Devil. Have a great Tuesday and join us again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.